Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. John chapter 10, I want to preach, come on in. Come on in. I got a lot to share. Y'all going to be all right? Okay, because I'm sitting down, so I'm fine. Those of you not here last week and wondering what in the world are you doing, I don't know how I did it. I did send out a video, but if you didn't see the video, somehow, some way, I don't know how. And stop looking at me saying, oh, it's old age. We know what it is. But I got a stress fracture in my right knee. So the doctor said, you got to be off for three weeks. I'm going nuts. I'll be all right. John chapter 10, let's look at verse 1. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, and to him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger. Let me just stop right there and say, stop following and listening to voices that don't sound like Jesus. I'm talking to the church. I'm not listening to them. What kind of music do you listen to? What kind of podcast are you listening to? What TV shows are you watching? What are you watching on YouTube? I'll leave that alone. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration. This is interesting, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. So then the Lord had to get specific. And I want you to please focus on these verses 7 through 10. Then Jesus said to them again, listen to me. That's what he Okay, you didn't get me the first time. Listen to me. Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. You say amen to the powerful word of the living God. Give him praise. We love his word around here, don't we? You can be seated. Now sit down. I know you've been been standing a while. Can I just talk about Jesus and just get out of me what's in me today? Is that okay? So let me just talk to you. All right, I'm going to go from the Old Testament back to the New Testament, back to the Old Testament, and I'll come back to the New Testament, okay? Let me just preach, teach today. When God called Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, Moses asked him a very specific question. He said, who do I tell them is sending me? And Moses heard this reply. God said, tell them I am that I am. That I am sent you. Now, that's not a name like Chris or Leah or Jaron and Mary Beth or Evan and Elizabeth, which is our family names. That's not a name we're used to yet. That Hebrew for that I am is the source of our English words, Jehovah and Yahweh and capital L-O-R-D, all caps in the Old Testament. Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh, it's all the same thing. It means I am. Okay? 
It's ontological in nature, which has to do with being. I am has to do with being. If you conjugate the verb to be, I am, you are, he is, she is, they are, we are. And so it is about God, who, who God is. And so what, what was God saying? God was saying is, I'm the God who is. I'm the God who exists. I'm the God who's real compared to all these other false gods. I'm the God who is in you. I'm the God who's with you. I'm the God who is for you. I'm the God who walks beside you, dwells in you. I'm the God who is your strength. I'm the God who is life. I'm the God that everything centers around. I'm reality. Jesus, the Son of God, comes to this earth robed in flesh. And in John, it was a couple, three chapters, four chapters before John 10, Jesus is having dialogue with opponents, adversaries. It's, it's almost like bantering, at least on their end. And they're questioning him, and they're challenging him, and Jesus just shocks them, scandalous. He says, essentially implies, that I, I existed before Abraham, and I knew Abraham. And, and they said, you're crazy. You're not even 50 years old. You know, Abraham lived hundreds of years earlier, and they told him, said, you're crazy. Matter of fact, they said, you're full of a demon. And Jesus said, so you think that shook, shook your cage, and rattled your cage? He said, how about this one? This is what he said. He said, before Abraham was... I am. And he knew exactly what he was saying, and he said it that way on purpose. He was claiming in that statement to be the God of Moses in Exodus 3, to be the God of the Old Testament, to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they, they picked up stones to kill him for blasphemy because all they could see was a man. They could not see the God behind the man. And he escaped from that situation. I tell you those two stories to lead us closer to John chapter 10, because throughout the gospel of John, the I, there are I am statements of Jesus that are embodied in that gospel. Seven times Jesus makes these statements, I am something. Let me list them for you. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the vine and you are the branches. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And then the last two are connected. I am the good shepherd. And the final one is I am the door. It is that last one that I want to explore with you this morning, preaching evangelistically and yet talking to the church. I am the door. When I started studying for this message, the first thing that leaped off the Bible pages at me is that Jesus did not say, I am the door of the sheepfold. He said, I am the door of the sheep. And I thought that was interesting, and I think he said it on purpose. Now, what are the sheep? The sheep are the people of God, the redeemed, those who are born again, who we would know in these New Testament times as those who are members of the family of God, the body of Christ, the church of the living God. And so Jesus says, Essentially, if you want my, this sermon in a nutshell, that he is the access point to God and to God's people. That he is the portal to a relationship with God and with the people of God. That you have to enter through him to be a member of the flock. That you have to enter through him to be a member of the church of the living God. So let me talk to the church for a minute. If you are saved this morning, born again, you're living for Jesus. You are part of the flock, and Jesus is your shepherd. You're a vital part of the body, and not just 
anybody can be in the flock. You have to know him, and he has to know you personally. And that word know is, is used in the Greek for an intimate knowledge, like a husband and wife know each other, that kind of intimacy. It's not just knowing about him. It's experientially, personally having a relationship with him. That's how you have to know. Look, the only sheep I see around here is if you, if you go back out here on Brown Road and you head back towards Clemson Boulevard, there's a guy that has sheep over on the left. Y'all know where I'm talking about. And I'm fascinated by sheep because they're just the weirdest, ugliest looking things. I mean, they're just like a big, fat bundle of wool. And, 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 and so that's about all I know about sheep personally. I've had a lot of dealings with sheep, but I've studied about sheep. And I've studied about shepherds. And that's very much a very real thing in Palestine still today. And today and then, shepherds knew every sheep personally. They named each sheep. They each had their own name. And the sheep knew the sound of the voice. They would put several flocks of sheep in one sheepfold, and the different shepherds would come, and they'd say, okay, sheep, let's go. And if there were, if there were 100 sheep, there were four shepherds, the 25 sheep in the one flock, only the 25 would leave and come out to the shepherd, and the other 75 would stay there because they didn't recognize his voice. You can know the voice of God. I'm so sick and tired of reading on Twitter theologians who say we don't hear from God anymore and these people who say God told me we need to question them well you know sometimes you do because sometimes people don't hear from God and they have ulterior motives and they're carnal yeah you ought to judge it all but that doesn't mean you throw out the baby with the bathwater. he still speaks today he said my sheep know my voice and if I know his voice that means he's speaking not just through the Bible. Shouldn't have sang. Being a good person doesn't get you in the flock. Attending a local church, joining a local church doesn't get you in the flock. Okay? Being religious is not an access point to God. Being religious alone. If you're saved and you're religious, then, then we're in, you're in right. You got the order right. You got the, you got the horse before the cart. Doing good things for people will not open a door for you. Let me, let me show you Matthew 7, 21 through 23. I can't remember. Is this on the screen? Yeah. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. You can't get into heaven on your mama and daddy's religion. You can't get into heaven on... And your mom and daddy's Christianity and faith. You've got to have your own faith. You can't get in on your wife's or your husband's, your mom's. Your you, you have to have your own. Everyone, he who does the will of my father. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not, and that's the day of judgment, by the way. Have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never, what? Knew you. Do you, do you see that word? The shepherd, didn't, the shepherd knows the sheep, and so he's saying to you, you weren't one of my sheep. I didn't know you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So it's not enough that you didn't know God and God didn't know you, but it's that you're not living right. 
I'm preaching straight today. I don't expect any amens. Don't give me one. I don't have to have them, but I'm just going to tell it like it is today. Is that okay? Because the truth shall set us free because I'm bathing this thing with love and grace. Knowing a lot about God is not the same as knowing God. I've learned in 34, almost 35 years of ministry, really 35 plus years of ministry, you can volunteer in the church, you can do ministry in the church and be pseudo-spiritual. And that's sometimes hard to swallow because it, how do you reconcile those two? It's, it can be very confusing, but I'm telling you, it can happen. A, a very wise man told me one time, what God does through a man or a woman is not necessarily a commentary or the, on the man or the woman. It's a commentary on God. Chew on that one. That was worth coming to church just for that. You have to, you have to be discerning. You have to, you have to look. You can do pseudo-spiritual things and have no relationship with Jesus. So what's the answer? I, how do I get in the flock? Jesus gives the answer. He said, you must be saved. He actually says that in our text. If anyone enters by me, goes through me the door, Jesus said, he will be saved. She will be saved. You go through him. Salvation is how you access the flock and become a sheep of the good shepherd. Let me tell the gospel. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. Those of you watching online, listen to me. Salvation is a gift from God. You don't earn it. He gives you salvation. It's provided on the grounds of what Jesus did when he died on that cross 2,000 years ago, what we call his atoning work. Atonement means a covering for sin and appeasement of the wrath of God. And the reality is you, your sins in your life separate you from God, and God has wrath against your sins. He loves you, but he has wrath against your sins. He is a holy and a just God, and he cannot just sweep it under a rug. He has to deal with it. And the wages of sin is death. And it's like committing a capital crime. It deserves capital punishment, and you ought to be executed. Yet 2,000 years ago, Jesus, the Son of God, robed with flesh, lived a sinless life, and in your place, in a substitutionary way, went to the cross and died for you. He took the penalty, which is death. But he's God, and we just sang his buried body began to breathe. And the roaring lion said, the grave has no claim on me. And on the third day, he came out. And he is alive. And Leah was right. He, we serve a, liz, a risen Savior and a, and a living Savior today. And so he conquered sin and death, and he paid the price for you. And dying in your place means what? Now God can be just. He can be fair because he's poured wrath against your sins. There's been a punishment Price paid for your sins, but it wasn't you. But now God is free to forgive you of your sins if you'll just ask for forgiveness and to cleanse you of your sins and wash them all away and to change your life and to come inside of you and make you a good person and take all, your, all the guilt away and impute or reckon the righteousness of Jesus Christ to your behalf. Is that not awesome? That's the gospel. And if you'll just turn from your sins and repent and ask for forgiveness, he will come into your heart and be your savior and the leader of your life. That's the gospel. That's how you get in the sheepfold, in the flock. What does Jesus save us from? He saves you from the destructive forces targeting you. Do, do you all know there are destructive forces targeting you? We, the last two weeks I've talked about what was targeting our children and our, and our students. But there are forces targeting the church and their force is targeting sinners. Jesus talks about thieves and robbers. 
and I did a word study on that. A thief is basically somebody who steals, okay, pretty standard. A robber is a brigand. It's a person who, who forcefully attacks you and takes what's yours. So think about someone being mugged in New York City and they get knocked down and hit and, and there's a gun and they slap them down and kick them and then they take the lady's purse and run off with it. And so, and so when I read commentaries, most commentaries, just about all of them said that the thieves and the robbers are the false teachers and false prophets. And I understand why they're doing that because they're looking at the context and they're, they're kind of pointing it towards the Pharisees. And okay, false prophets and false teachers will try to steal you away from Jesus. But there are more destructive forces than this, those two in your life. There, there are destructive forces that Jesus saves you from. Jesus saves you from the destructive power of sin. Jesus saves you from the tyrannical reign of the devil. Jesus saves you from the lies and deceptions of this world that will blind you. Jesus saves you from negative people and bad relationships that will be detrimental to your spirituality. Jesus will save you from habits and vices that plague your life. He's, I told Leah this. I, sometimes I preach to Leah. I said, thieves are the kinds that softly and quietly steal from you. I said, Robbers are the people who just do it loud and forcefully and make a big deal. And I said, when I thought about that, I thought, Jesus will save you from the, rob the thieves. Those people, listen to me now, because I'm preaching to somebody. Those people that will subtly come into your life and be so sweet and kind and nice, and yet the things they say and do and the way they try to influence you and the direction they try to get you to go and the decisions they just very subtly try to get you to make are, are those that will make you turn from Christ. you got to watch those people. And then there are those times and people that are loud and forceful and mean or ugly, and it can be out of the church, but which could be like persecution of saints and whatever. Those are the people that are just trying to pressure you into or, or, or it can be persecution, it can be pressure at work, people from friends, peers that are trying to just say things to you right out. Why are you serving God? You just quit doing it. They're, just, they, they're loud and they're, for, they're forceful, but it can happen in church. There are church people that can hurt you. There are church leaders, pastors that are, that are carnal and mean and insensitive that will hurt you. And they don't realize it. Maybe sometimes they do, that they're getting you to move away from God. I've seen people have tragic circumstances in their life and they're trying to find answers and I don't know why they do this, but oftentimes, sometimes they'll blame God. They're just trying to find somebody to blame and so they'll blame God and, and then they get mad and this tragic circumstance is forcefully pushing them away from God. Listen, when you have a crisis, you're either gonna run to God or run from God. Is any of this making sense to you at all? I labored coming here today, to be honest, because this, this is, you got to stay with me if you're going to get this. But you're smart people. I pastor a smart church, a spiritual church. Sheep are defensive. I know that about sheep. They cannot save themselves. They are easy prey. And if you are a sinner, I would hope that you would hear me. You are defenseless. You cannot save yourself from your sins. You cannot save yourself from your 
fleshly evil desires that are screaming and all the time dictating the things you say and do. It's why you cuss all the time. It's why you look at what you look at. It's why you act the way you do. It's why you act certain ways when you get around other people like that. You can't stop it. You're defenseless. You're defenseless. You're not stronger than the devil. You can't take on the power of this corrupt world. You can't redeem yourself. You can't cleanse yourself. You can't adequately address your sinful nature. You can't do anything about it. Um, you can't make yourself right before God. What I'm trying to say to you today is, like a drowning person, you need a Savior. You need a rescuer, and Jesus is the rescuer. God's Son is the door. He's the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. I'm told that Secret Service agents are committed to taking a bullet for the President of the United States. That's my understanding. They'll put their body between the president and a, and a wannabe assassin. And listen to me, 2,000 years ago, if this, this little analogy will help you, 2,000 years ago, Jesus took a bullet for you. He put himself between you and hell. He put himself between you and the wrath of God. He put himself between you and divine judgment and said, I'll take it. He was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. He was punished so that you could have peace with God. By his stripes you are healed. The lie of sin is that real freedom is found in rebellion against God, in hyper-individualism, in doing your own things. Let me just preach this morning. When you have to shoot up a drug, listen to me, you're not free. When you have to drink that beer or wine, you're not free. When you can't stop stealing and lying and cheating and cussing and being mean and slandering and gossiping and fighting, you're not free. And when you want to do right and you can't, and when you, when, when you don't want to do wrong and you do it anyway, you're not free. Real freedom is found in Jesus. Jesus said that the saved sheep will go in and out and find pasture. That means you can come into the church and you fellowship with everybody else. You're part of a great big family. And then you can go out into this world and, and, and you're, you're safe because you're into the watchful eye of the shepherd. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And if a lion or a bear or a tiger, oh my, tries to show up and attack, you know the shepherd's there to defend you. And you can find pasture you're going to grow. You're going to have nourishment. You're going to be taken care of. So there is safety and security and nourishment. That's what Jesus does. He gives you real freedom. And sinful people think that spiritual truths and moral commands are limitations on their personal freedom. The Ten Commandments are too restrictive. I want to do my own thing. It's my body. It's my life. It's my money. But freedom without limitations is dangerous. Excessive speed will kill you. You do not want to get in my Mustang with that 5.0 Coyote engine and take a right on Midway and do 120 up that narrow, curvy road. You don't want to do that. The chances are good that you're going to wreck and have, get harmed or get killed. That's why there are Listen to me, speed limits. Because people that are supposed to be in the nose says in this particular, 
I am preaching right now and y'all ain't getting it. People in the know say in this particular section of road, you need, don't need to know, do more than 35. You get beyond 35 and you could lose control on this. Now when you get to this section of road, we'll give you a little more liberty. It goes to 45. When you, I am preaching so good right now. And now when you get out on the interstate, they even say you know, 60 in this. It's real congested. We have a lot of wrecks happen on I-85, don't we? But now when you get in Georgia, they got more freedom than we do. Are you getting my point? Limitations are there not to keep you from having a good time or doing what you want, but maybe they are. But they're there primarily to keep you safe and everybody else safe. Y'all okay? I'm going to just blow this. I may have told you this before, but I love this because I heard an epidemiologist, is that right, with the germs? Epidemiologist. Um, to talk about this. I thought it was funny. I have a weird sense of humor anyway. Y'all figured that out. He said, you know, the, the first phase, COVID-19, that hit us, it was deadly. Now, that's not funny. And, and it was killing people. But what the epidemiologist said, am I doing that right or am I sound like an idiot? Is that the right word? Okay. What the epidemiologist said, because for some reason, en endemologist got in my head. It's what the epidemiologist said was, nature knows. Knows. Nature knows. The virus knows. That if it stays at this level, it'll kill everybody and we'll have a host and then it'll die. So what it does eventually is it'll mutate. That's exactly what happened, hasn't it? But it mutates down. And then it mutates down so it can still live and have hosts and not kill everybody. Even nature, epidemiologist says, knows that there has to be limitations. Do you parents put limitations on your kids? Do you? I sure hope so. For all of you watching at home, they're just zombies this morning. They're just. I think they're listening. I did. You do. Is it because you're a big, bad, mean parent who just wants your child to be miserable? That's what your teenager thinks. But the reality is you're wiser, you're smarter, and you know better, and you're trying to help them. That's why you tell them nothing good happens after 11 o'clock. Be home. Okay? That's why you do this, do that. You teach because you want them to be safe, and you want them to be able to live to enjoy life. So I'm going to preach straight. Freedom is not watching porn. Freedom is not getting arrested for breaking and entering. Freedom is not getting drunk, so drunk that you can't see straight. Freedom is not moving in with someone of the opposite sex. Freedom is not cheating on your wife or husband. Freedom is not living a homosexual lifestyle or being a drag queen. Freedom is not claiming to be a Christian, but rarely praying or reading your Bible or going to church. I'm so free now. Hey, they got, it. they got cameras. I can just stay home. That's not freedom. I'll leave that alone. 
Jesus gives you freedom. He frees you from the power of sin. Jesus, listen to me. This, this is what I want to hear. This, it's, not just what, it's not just the negative. Y'all, it's the positive that I love so much. Jesus frees you to live this life with fullness. Jesus frees you to chase after your true God-given destiny. And I believe everybody in this room, listen to me, has a God-given destiny. I believe that with all my heart. Everybody in here, you just need to believe it. You have a destiny. Stop buying into the lie that you're just living and existing. God has a plan set out for you to use you. You may not be... You not be, may not be Taylor Swift making out, putting out your new album and, and making lots of money and everybody's talking about her. Okay, so she's just put out an album. But you know what? You might be the person that has the most influence at work that just keeps week after week, month after month, helping hurting people and you're doing it for Jesus. Jesus frees you from your past so you can joyfully live in this present and pursue your future. Jesus frees you to be whole and healthy and good and wise and productive. Jesus frees you to walk daily with him in beautiful fellowship where you call God your friend. I tell God all the time, you're my father and you're my friend. And I say, God... In my prayer time, I, tell, I, said, I just want to be like Enoch. That's all I want. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. He, got, he was the first person in the rapture when there was no rapture. And I said, God, that's all I want. I just want to walk with you every day, and then one of these days, through death or the rapture, whatever happens, just take me home. That's all I want. If I can just walk with you, I just want to be with you and walk with you every day. The thief... Jesus in his work in you is antithetical to the destructive forces trying to pull you away from God. The thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. To steal is to take you away from God. To kill is to drain the life out of you spiritually. To destroy means to ruin you, to cause you to lose everything, including your eternal soul. And I just want to tell you, brothers and sisters, the devil, the world, and your flesh are thieves, and you need to avoid them and defeat them. Sinful people who keep getting you in trouble and influencing you to make bad decisions are thieves. They're stealing your life. Things could be so much better. Bad company corrupts character, the Bible says. They're not your friends. So don't let them drag your soul to hell with them. Jesus said he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And that word means super abundance of life. I'm, I'm going to close just two things and be done. When you get saved, you live an extraordinary life. I, I don't care what anybody in sin is living and doing and how attractive it looks to you. It's not. It's all superficial. Most people that look successful who are in sin are some of the most miserable people. They have failed marriages. They have to see therapists. They're usually in some kind of addiction. They, they, they have problems. They, they, on the surface, it's like they got it all together, but if you can get behind the scenes, they're some of the most messed up people in the world. Christians 
might have these ordinary lives compared to those extraordinary surface level things. But beneath that, we live extraordinary life. You got God living inside of you. That's extraordinary. You understand that, right? Your body is the temple, the dwelling place of the spirit of the living God. When you leave here, you don't leave God here. He goes out in the car with you. He'll be at work with you, inside you, all day. That's extraordinary. He answers your prayers. You talk to God and he listens to you. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. He sees you, and his ears are open to their cry. You can feel the presence of the divine being. Sinners can't have that. You get full of the Holy Ghost and power and the anointing, and you can pray for people and touch people and pray, and the miraculous and supernatural takes place. The person who's in sin with all his power and money and success can't do that. His daughter gets cancer. She gets sick. He can't, he can't do it. He can spend all the money and get all the doctors. But if it's past them, but a, but a godly guy working up here at Michelin on swing shifts can go home and his daughter's sick and he can get his godly wife and say, let's pray for her. And they lay hands on her and pray for her and boom, she's healed. Which would you rather have? Jesus said, I know, I know more than you do. You, you think that all these things, for what will it profit a man or a woman if they gain the whole world? That's not what matters. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then Jesus said, once you get all that squared away and you're just walking with me, he said, I might actually add all that other stuff to you. But you'll find that that's not what makes life extraordinary. It's God. Play me down, Pastor Bob. Stand with me. Y'all okay? If you came to my house, there's a front door. Some people have a front door and never use it. Is y'all's house like that where you never use your front door? Okay. I have been in houses like that. I lived in houses growing up. We didn't, you never used the front door. At my house, because of the way things are laid out, we use the front door. So if, if Amazon comes or UPS or FedEx, then they leave it on the front. So we open the front door. And if, if people come to my house, most of the time they come to the front door. It's, it, I love it. Because, because of the way our house is designed, when we let our little dog Bodie out, most of the time I take him out the front door. So I love the fact we use our front door. If you came to my house and you wanted to get in my house, I don't leave my front door unlocked. I grew up in Detroit for Pete's sakes. Come on. I don't even leave the door open. Y'all remember the day when you left your house unlocked and even left the door open? I don't. I'm not that old. But I've heard stories. You come to my house, you grab that handle, you're going to go, oh, we can't get in. 
That's what sin does. Try as you want, you can't get in the flock. You can push, you can pull, you can scream and yell, but you can't get in. My house, that's not going to work, but if you'll just knock, ring the doorbell, and I'm going to come look through the window. I'm going to see who you are and what you look like. Find out what you want. If it's three in the morning, I will be carrying my nine millimeter Glock. And I'm a good shot. And if you, if you want to come in for the wrong reason, I'm not going to open that door. But if I know you and I know what you want, then I'm going to open that door and I'm going to let you in. Jesus is the door. If you come to him for the wrong reasons, he knows it. But if you come to him and say, will you please let me in? I'm in a mess. And you're the only one that can help me. And if you don't let me in, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. There's nowhere for me to go. Then he's going to open that door. Because he is the door. He's going to say, come on in. And let me do for you what nobody else can do. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. Every head bowed and would you close your eyes. I believe the Holy Spirit has used His Word through this feeble vessel. That He's dealing with somebody. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Chris, God gave you that message for me. I'm not saved. I need to come in. I want to come in. I want to change. I don't just want some appeasement. I don't want God to make me feel better about myself so I can keep living in sin. I want to change. If that's you this morning, I want you to do something. Will you just throw your hand up high and say, Pastor Chris, will you please pray with me? Pray for me. God bless you. God bless you. I'm seeing hands all over. Anybody else? Raise your hand. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? God bless you, young man. I see you. Some people that need to be saved today. You can put your hand down. I have learned that sometimes I like when people help me. I got a new TV and I cannot get the remote to pair with my sound bar and I'm on crutches and Leah's having to do half. And I, I can't get, I, I tried to get somebody from JBL customer service and it was after hours. It's the most frustrating thing when you want help and you can't get it. I want to help you. And I've learned that one of the ways to do that is if you let me lead you in a prayer, I can help you with the words. But you have to have faith and you have to talk to Jesus. Even though I'm giving you the words, you just say it to Jesus. Can you do that? And what I've learned is that the rest of this church will say it with me because they like to help too. So if you'll do that with me, church, let's help some people today that need to get saved. You just pray this prayer and have faith, for by grace you're saved through faith. If you'll just pray this prayer and have faith and, and, and mean it, 
God knows your heart. He does. You're not going to fool him. He will change you today. He'll wash your sins away. He'll write your name down in the Lamb's Book of Life, and he'll adopt you immediately as his son or his daughter. Won't that be awesome? On October, what, 23rd, you'll have a birthday. Everybody say, Dear Jesus. I'm a sinner. I'm so sorry. I'm ashamed. I'm guilty. I'm not making excuses. But thank you, Jesus, that I've heard the good news that in spite of my sin, you would save me. So please save me. I believe. I believe you died for me. I believe in the power of the cross. I believe in the power of your blood. Somehow, it makes me right with God. So forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Please change me. I don't deserve it. But you're so good. So right now, I repent of my sins. And I ask you to come into my heart. And I confess you right now that from this point on, you are my Savior, you are my Lord, you are my leader. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you for changing my life. Thank you for having mercy on me. Thank you for being gracious to me. Why don't you just lift your hands all over this church and tell God thank you if you're already saved. And for those of you who prayed, would you right now just lift your hands? Maybe you've never done that before, but as an act of surrender, you saw other people do it. It's your turn. Say thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.